Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Now, uh, we, during December, have been kind of looking at this whole kind of Christmas season, Advent, and the word Advent means arrival. And we know that Advent represents, from a Christmas season point of view, the expectant revival of Jesus being born as the Saviour. But for us as as Christians, as believers, we know that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. So we're not just building up to Christmas Day in that sense. Uh, We we understand that's the season. But more than that, we know that Jesus is going to be coming again. And so we want to live with an imminent expectation of his return. And so what our revelation of who he is and what he's doing and where we're at in this season of history determines our lifestyle, our responses and our decisions as to whether we believe that he is about to come back. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to come back in our lifetime or not, but the Bible does talk about live as if he's coming back today. And that's how we want to be. So we've just, just to do a quick recap, we looked at the word wait and the word wait or to wait on God, like Simeon and Anna uh, in, in Luke, when Jesus, when, when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to to the temple to have him circumcised and to bless him on the eighth day, Simeon and Anna, two individual people have been waiting for years and years and years for this promise to be fulfilled, that they would see the Messiah the Christ, before they would pass away in their own lives. So they waited. The word wait means to live with eager expectation. It's not a passive waiting for something to happen. Uh, The word wait is to have an eager expectation of what is on its way. It's the same kind of meaning as hope in the Bible. Then we looked at the word watch and the word watch means not just to kind of stand there and kind of have a a little look around. What it means is to watch is to be positioned or to be posted in a certain place to observe, to stay awake and to be alert and vigilant. And it means to guard that that you're watching and waiting for and protect it. So, for example, in the Christmas story or running up to Christmas, we have the good old shepherds and... uh, the shepherds were just watching their flocks at night, as we know the carols say. And uh, they weren't washing their socks or whatever they were doing. Who knows what they were doing? They might have been playing, uh, you know, Sudoku or, or cards. I don't know what they were doing. But they were obviously watching their sheep. They were watching. But then in the midst of that, the angels appeared. And what were they doing when they were watching? They were posted. They were looking after sheep, observing, staying awake, alert, vigilant. Why? Because they didn't want their sheep stolen. But they were waiting in a natural sense and watching in a natural sense. But then something supernatural started to happen. And when God speaks to us, it initiates eager expectation for the fulfilment of what he said. Now, we know that sometimes God speaks and immediately, boom, he works and something changes. There's other times when he gives us promises in our lives that aren't necessarily going to be fulfilled then because some of the promises he gives are for now in this season that we're right in. And other times his promises are for many years ahead 
but he grows us as people and he grows us in him and into his purposes so that our lives are geared around what he is unfolding through our lives and in the church that we are part of. So remember last week, one of the analogies, as well as the three chairs that we had, which we won't do today, but one of the analogies we said, we're living in the great rest, that middle chair, remember, that we're on a walk with God. And in our walk with God, we're here and God is in us and we're walking out his purposes and everything that he has for us has already been prepared along the way. Many of those things we don't see. That's why it's a walk of faith. So God will always speak. We'll have to take a step called trust. God, I'm going to trust you in this step. And as I trust you, you're revealing more of who you are in my life. And as you speak to me about what you have already prepared for me and what I'm part of as a church. So there's that individual walk, but there's that walk together as a body. As we walk, then we, we intersect with, we walk into the promises and the purposes of God. Whether that is a fulfilled promise, whether it is provision or healing or whatever it might be, the answer to a prayer that God has given us in relation to a promise, okay? So, so what we want to do is we want to walk, as we heard a few weeks back, uh, in the sovereign will of God. We don't want to walk in the permissible will because the permissible will has a quite a zigzag kind of approach to it. We're here and there because what do we do in the permissible will of God? We move from the great rest into, remember that chair over here was that chair of self. And, and when we step out of the, the, the sovereign will of God, we end up sort of moving into the permissible will. God's not going to give us a, a hard time for it, but he's not going to fulfill everything he wants to and needs to through our lives when we're living in self. So that's where we have to come back from the permissible will into the sovereign will, into that moment by moment relationship, moment by moment walk with God so that we walk in the promises of God today and we continue to move into the promises of God that he has got before us. Amen. So that's what our walk is like and God wants that to be in the great rest. Now the next part of this, what, this waiting and watching is actually to make room, making room for God to do what he wants to do. So again, I haven't got the chairs up here, but I'll keep kind of using them. The great rest is that place where you're waiting on God. Remember, it's not passive, it's active. You're in eager expectation of what God is saying. You're watching for the signs of what God is doing. You're watching the words and the promises. You're guarding them. You're taking hold of them. You're believing them. And as you're waiting and watching, you're moving towards them to see them fulfilled. Some are going to happen now. Some in a few weeks, months, some in the coming years because of the nature of the promises that God gives in our lives that are unfolding. And then when we, uh, when we talk about making room, because there was a situation in the Christmas story, or as we call it, or leading up to Jesus being born, where Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. There was a census. They had to go back to their hometown and uh, where their families were from. And <clears throat> they were trying to find somewhere to stay. There were no places in the Premier Inns or anything like that. The place was full. There was no room for God. Now, we live in a culture, in a society where there's not a lot of room for God. Like the census, everybody was going to Bethlehem or back to their respective hometown because of a census. They were busy. They had to go there for a certain reason. The places were packed. Everybody was running their lives. And, and for Mary and Joseph, 
she was about to give birth, but there was no room. Nobody makes space and made space for the Savior to be born. We live in that kind of culture. A lot of people don't have space for the Savior to be born in their lives, to come into their lives. We're not talking about just they haven't got time for the Christmas season. This is about the reality of knowing Jesus in their lives. And, and what happens as Christians, one of the, one of the, the biggest the, the, one of the most dangerous words we can use as Christians is this. It's a four-letter word, begins with B, ends in Y, and has U and S in the middle. That's one of the most dangerous words we can use as Christians. How are you doing? Oh, it's great. I'm just really busy. Great. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, you're busy. But actually, Jesus doesn't talk about being busy. He talks about being fruitful. You know, when something is growing, like the grapes are growing on a vine or something's growing, the, the fruit is not straining and being busy to try and be fruitful. And we live in a 21st century culture that is just going at 150 miles an hour. It is busy. People don't have time for stuff, even relationships these days or, or whatever. And, and we're busy and there's no room for God. And everybody's busy up here. Mental health issues, stress, fear, panic. People on their phones all the time. And if they don't pick it up and look at Facebook, man, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out. And, and these anxiety issues that are rampant in our culture uh, these days that affect people's nervous systems, their psyche, their identity. It's gone to such a point now with some of these things that people's in, in identity is wrapped up in all of this kind of stuff. And it shows what's going on, the fragmentation that's going on in people's lives. So as believers in the context of that kind of culture, God has called us to live in this place of rest where our identity, our decisions, everything we do is based in who we are in Christ and how we're walking with him. So when it talks about here with Mary and Joseph and they were coming into Bethlehem, there was no room for the Messiah. And a guy did eventually say, well, look, I haven't got any room, but I have got a stable. You can go in there if, if you want. And for many people, that's where God is. Well, he's, he's, he's probably out there somewhere. You know, he's, he's, you know we're not, he's not that important. So we'll stick him in a stable. We'll stick him out there with the, you know, and, and we don't want to be like that as Christians. We don't want to have God on the side of our lives. We want God central. Our lives, we want our lives to be posted, rooted in who he is. So let's just have a look. And uh, in some of our response to making room and what that looks like now, but coming into 2019. Let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Isaiah chapter 6. We've got some prayer and fasting coming up in the new year. What, is it, what does it actually mean to fast? It means to set aside your normal schedule. It means to set aside your normal way of living or the way you are living. And it's to set yourself apart, set time aside. And instead of doing certain things that you do in your normal schedule, you replace those with spending time with God instead. And so what are we doing by doing that? We are making room for God to fill. We are giving God space to come and work in and move in 
because obviously all of us live in a certain way. We all have a lifestyle. We all have a schedule. We all have a way that we can easily get into a routine, a daily kind of way that we live. And where we are at individually with God is a choice that we make. So it's easy to say, oh, I, I really want to be in a, a, a deeper relationship with the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> now, all of us, how many of you would say that? I want to know, I want to be in, I want to have a deeper relationship with God. Well, the depth of relationship that you and I have with God is actually what we really want in our lives, where we're at. So where, where we're at right now, sitting in this room today, is where you want to be. Because there's a difference between what I want and what I like. Now, I think sometimes we need to translate the word want with like and, and instead say, I'd like a deeper relationship with God. Because the difference between like and want is heart desire. You see, when you want something, you go after it. How many of you have bought something or you, whether at some point in your life, maybe recently or over the years at some point, and you thought, oh, we'd really like that or we want to buy that, but actually we can't really afford it, so we're going to have to save up for it. Or you, you, maybe these days what most people do is they go and borrow money so they can buy it now and then they pay it off with some interest over a period of time. But what do we do? Because we really want something, we're prepared to make sacrifices in relation to other things because there's something we want more than other things that we want. And in our relationship with God, well, there's a difference between I want to know God more, I want to live more in His purposes rather than just like to. And when we go through a time of prayer and fasting, what we're basically moving from, sometimes some of, some of in us is like, I want to go and pray and fast. I want to meet with God. But you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a bit of a cost to the flesh. How many know that? Um, and that's sometimes why together we do something as a body. Ezra, when you read the Old Testament, he called a fast, a national fast of the whole people to, to come and fast. So some people do say, well, I'll only fast when God leads me to fast. Well, that's fine. And God does lead us to fast personally, but also we're part of a body. And sometimes God calls the whole body to a fast because God wants as a body to be set apart for a period of time where he not only works in us individually, but he does something in the body so that we all move together in what God is doing. So uh, that's what January's about in terms of giving God space. So we're going to personally encounter God and, and God wants to break through amongst us and then whatever victory for the lost, the nation and, and everything else. So let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 6. What does it say in here? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. There's, there's obviously a whole number of things going on with Isaiah in this moment as he has an encounter with God in different ways. And he has this, this vision or he's taken up in the spirit or he encounters God, however we want to describe it. And he sees what is going on around the throne and he sees... Uh, he has a bird's eye view into the throne room where all of these creatures that are described here, they are worshipping in the holiness of God. So he begins to encounter God in his holiness. And we see that because his response is, wow, I am unclean. I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be here. Because he encounters God in a way that is beyond his normal kind of daily routine. The Holy Spirit gives him a glimpse into the throne room, gives him a glimpse to show him something of what, what, who God is. And in that moment, he's a bit undone. He's a bit laid bare. He even starts through saying, woe is me, I'm ruined. Because in his mind, his understanding is, if I see God, I'm going to die. But there's an aura of reverence that is taking place at this moment. And he sees the, the worship and, and the whole environment of holiness. And they're worshipping God in his holiness. But then what does the next line say? The whole earth is full of his glory. It doesn't say there the whole of heaven is full of his glory. We know that. But what it says here in the context of what he saw, how he encountered God in that moment... He joined in or he encountered the holiness of God. But then what he heard them singing was the whole earth is full of his glory. As he was undone in that moment, as he encountered God in that moment, what he heard, what was happening to him and in him, what he heard in terms of being for his response then, when he heard the questions, whom shall I send and who will go for us? His response was, here am I, send me, here am I, send me. And so as God was revealing himself, something was changing on the inside. Isaiah generally didn't have a good time as a, as a prophet. A lot of the time he was prophesying in a very, very, into a nation that was constantly going against God, constantly worshipping other gods and idols and pretty challenging in the natural. And in one sense, we all live in a culture that is pretty similar to back then. Most people are giving themselves to something in some way and God is definitely not on the agenda. Yet God has called us like Isaiah to be prophetic people into the, the culture, the society, the community, the nation that we live in as the church. And, and he then goes and begins to prophesy and God begins to work through him, even though it's pretty challenging. But there's something that happens, something he sees. He sees the whole earth full of God's glory. Now, what does that mean for you and I coming into 2019 then? What does that mean for us as believers? Often in the Old Testament, God is described, or several times, He's described as a consuming fire. But it's always in the context of Him and His glory. So there were a number of times when He said to Moses, Come up, I want you to be with me. 
And God revealed himself and often he went into this cloud, the cloud of glory. And in that context, he met with God in his holiness. And that's often when God spoke to Moses and did things in his heart and his life. But the, but the, the Israelites often in those contexts, they described God as a consuming fire. And so one time when Moses went up there, they actually, he'd been in the cloud for six days, he disappeared and everything. But it says here that to the people, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. What happened when Isaiah met with the Lord, uh, one of the, uh, the um, creatures took a live coal from the altar and touched his lips. There was a consuming fire that he encountered that when he touched God in his consuming fire, something on the inside happened to him. There was a cleansing, a purifying, the work of holiness that took place in him. So as we come into 2019, there's a, something of God's holiness that he wants us to encounter him in, but also he wants to reveal who, who he is in his glory into our lives. Why? Because God, the purpose of who we are as believers on earth, as the church on earth, is to see God fill the earth with his glory. So Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning when God created uh, man, when God first created man, they lived in the glory of God. They lived in the full manifestation of who God is or was then and is now. They lived in his glory. They lived in his holiness. They lived at one with him. And what did God say to them in verses 28 and 29? So God created man in his own image. That's male and female, the image of God he created him, male and female who created him. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Now they were going to fill the earth with people. That was the idea to reproduce. But what else was God saying? Fill the earth with what? God wanted to fill the earth with his glory. Why? Because he'd made man in his image. And God is often described in the Bible as the God of glory. And so man was created to be a person of his glory. And because Adam and Eve were created in his glory, he said, now go and fill the earth with my glory. Now we know that man sinned. Eve was deceived, but man, Adam sinned. And we know that brought a separation and they had to come out of the garden. But God had a rescue plan in mind already because he knew what man, man was going to do. But through it all, in terms of the law and God trying to reveal himself through the Old Testament, it was all about God revealing his glory, who he was to his people. Because he wanted his people to be a people of glory so he could reveal his glory to the nations. So the nations were then in awe of who he is and who he was then, who he is now. And that's the same plan now. So why did Jesus come? Why did he come? The Christmas story. It's all about the glory of God coming to earth so that he could, I was going to say, re-glory us as people. Re-glory is probably not the right word. But it's so that he could take us out of this chair right over here, which is the one separated from God. When he, when he saves us, he brings us, yes, into the great rest. But he actually brings us into his glory. And we become sons of glory. Because if we're, when we're born again, if we're then made in his image, we're now in Christ, heirs with Christ. And if Jesus is 
the Son of Glory, then we become sons of glory with Jesus. Therefore, God wants to take who we are as believers, who we are as a church, and He wants to fill the earth with His glory. That's why we're here today. We're not here first and foremost to get our prayers answered. I've got a pain in my wrist and please, Jesus, would you heal me? Then I can go and fill the earth with your glory. No, we're here understanding that the whole purpose of the church, which in... uh, I've got so many different scriptures here, I've forgotten what's where and the amount of scriptures I've written down and I haven't kept them as scripts, so I'm all over the shop. But what it talks about is in, in the New Testament is the glory in the church. So God wants to take the glory. What is the glory? It's, God, it's God's revealed, manifested presence. So we can talk about the presence of God. Anybody, anybody can be in a meeting and if God is there in somewhere or other, saved or unsaved, you know there's something here, the presence of God. But the presence of God doesn't change you. See, you can be in a, a meeting, a good, like, great time of worship earlier. The presence of God is here. But when we worship, what does God want to do? He wants to reveal who he is as we worship him. That's why we want to flow in worship and like we were earlier and and we want to not just sing a couple of songs, we want to worship and enter in and join in with what is going on in the throne room. What is going on in the throne room? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come or the earth is full of his glory, whatever. We want to join in with what's going on in heaven. Why? Because like Isaiah, when we encounter him, we are changed. When we meet with him, something of who he is begins to impact something of who we are. And, he, he, and it's, a, it's an ongoing from glory to glory that he's working out in our lives. So it's not that we're down here somewhere, nowhere. But what we're saying is on this walk with him, we're hungry to know him, hungry to encounter him. God, I want to know you more. I want to see who you are. I want you to reveal more of you in my, who you are in my life. I want to know you in a deeper way. I want a deeper conviction of who you are. It, it, it's just called relationship. But it's called, at the, at the seat of that relationship is hunger, desire, longing for who he is. And, and we know that um, our lives can get busy. And, uh, and busyness is, is, is dangerous because busyness can take the edge off and we don't even realise it. And we can just get used to and comfortable with certain things. And then we, we set our own level of what we're happy with in our Christian walk. But the Holy Spirit, is not that he's not happy with that. But what he wants to do sometimes is just rattle our cage a bit, shake us a little bit. Because no matter where we are in the room, doesn't matter who we are in the room, there's more of God that he wants to reveal into each of our lives. So you might, you might be, think or feel you're back here somewhere and then, and then if I can use this analogy you think Pastor Collins down here somewhere right in, in, in terms of people in the room actually it doesn't matter it's, we're, we're all here in our walk with God you might have known God three weeks six months you're, you're in your walk with God you might have known God many many years and, and in one sense you're much further in your walk with God but we can only live in the now with God. We certainly don't live in the past because that's all been dealt with. It's history. It's finished. Dead, buried, crucified. It's gone, right? And when the enemy lies to you, say, no, sorry, sunshine. Well, we don't say sorry to the enemy, but no, no. Hey, sunshine or darkness or whatever you want to say the other way. Hey, darkness. No, no, no. You can't lie to me. You can't dupe me because God's dealt with that. 
So, but we can't live in the future either. Well, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm living for next week. I'm living, I'm living for when God's going to do this. You can't. You have to live in the now. God is outside time. We're not. So God lives in the now with us in the great rest, in this relationship, right? So you can only take a step with God in today, in the now. And the decisions you make in the now will fuel what comes next, both negative or positive, depending on what you fuel decisions you make and how you are, okay? So how you live today in terms of with God will determine how tomorrow's gonna, how you're gonna step into tomorrow. And sometimes, sometimes we say, don't we, I just need a really good night's sleep and then everything will be all right tomorrow. Well, sometimes we do just need a good night's sleep when you wake up knowing, right, I feel better now. But spiritually... A good night's sleep is not very good for you. Spiritually, when things aren't going well, or you feel like you're dry, or you're crusty, or you, you kind of feel like things are slowed down, the best thing to do is, is kind of, there's reasons why. The best thing to do is to stop for a moment and say, okay, I've got a choice here. I can either continue living with a sense of frustration, a sense of being pulled back, or circumstances grabbing me, trying to do this, that, and the other. I can either do that and, and, and just continue to kind of like have a bit of a you know, ball and chain around, you know, and it feels hard work, or I can just stop for a minute and say, okay, my feelings are exploding, left, right, and center, saying I'm out of sorts, I'm this, and that, and the other, or I can just stop and say, I've got a choice to make here. And that initial choice is, Okay, Jesus, I want to surrender everything afresh to you. The frustration, the angst, all the different things that we know relate to this self-chair over here. And what we do is we just take, we, we, instead of trying to continue to walk in our own effort or with the struggles and everything else, we stop and we surrender everything to the Lord again. And then what we begin to do, and this is where the fasting time together helps us corporately, together as a body, because there's times to encounter God together. And that helps us to be in an environment with others where we can worship. God's going to speak and he's going to move and he's going to do stuff. And that helps to begin to fuel something fresh in our lives. That doesn't replace the personal time with God. But what it does, it gives some space to move from where we are if I can put it this way, to where God wants us to be. Because God always wants a closer, deeper walk with us. He always wants to reveal more of who he is into our life. And the enemy wants to say to you, lie to you, uh, you're not there yet. Now that's a lie from the enemy. You're not there yet. You're not spiritual enough there. You're not good yet. You're not this, you're not that. You want to drop kick that out, okay? And don't listen to the, I'm not there yet. Otherwise, you'll always be chasing your tail spiritually, thinking, I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not where God wants us to, me to be. You know, you need to know, I am a child of God. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, I am in Christ Jesus. I am an heir with him. The old has gone. I'm a new creation, a new person. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir. I'm an ambassador. I've been made worthy, acceptable. 
And sometimes we have to just remind ourselves and then sometimes we just need to begin to lift our hands because what happens when you, it's like that, you're looking at yourself. And actually what we need to do is just lift our heads and lift our hands sometimes and just say, Jesus, you're amazing. I worship you. I give you glory. Stick a CD, uh, CDs, what are they these days? Um, <laughs> put your phone on, you know, whatever it is, plug it into something. If you don't, if you, like my voice is not the best singing voice, so... Uh, God puts auto-tune on so that when it gets there, it sounds all right. But, you know, you just, you have to just stop. Why? Because so often there's no room. We're busy. We've let so much stuff around us, everything going on, circumstances, pressure, this, that, family, <laughs> work. And sometimes we just, in the middle of that, need to go, we need to breathe in, lift our hands, and all of that is now going to be subject to who God is. That's what it's like sometimes when you're walking with God and God says, there's, there's a load more of me I want to reveal to who you, you know, in your life. And it's not that you're struggling and having a hard time. You're actually going all right. But then God says, no, I'm going to reveal more of who I am in your life. Even when you're, you're moving forward that way and God wants to bring some stretch spiritually into your life. It is literally like standing up, chest out, arms in the air. And it's like, wow, you know, because God wants to reveal more of who he is. And as he begins to do that, like Isaiah, you would say he was a man who was walking with God and, and being who God called him to be, but yet he encountered God in a fresh way that brought a whole nother dimension of, of God. Let's contextualize it now, a whole fresh release of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because 2019 is going to be a year of dependency on the Holy Spirit. We've got to give him space to work and to move and do whatever he wants to do. That means there'll be some thinking changes, some heart changes, some lifestyle changes. So coming off the back end of 21 days of prayer and fasting, our lifestyles will be different. Why? Because you know when you meet with God, your value system changes. Stuff changes on the inside. You see things differently. What you thought was here in your life is now here because you're like, well, that's really not that important. And it's not less of me, more of him. But as you fast, it's more of him because you're giving yourself to him and you realise the things that have become less because you've got, he's got a hold of you. You've got a hold of him in a fresh way. So we want to be people in 2019 who are, who are pursuing God, going after God. And... <clears throat> What are we really doing? Enlarging the place of our tent, stretching our tent curtains wide. Then it says in the eyes of don't hold back. So let's not hold back coming into 2019 and all that he wants to do in our lives. He's called us to be sons, if we can use that phrase. You understand what I'm saying? Sons of glory. He's called the church to be a glorious church or a church of his glory. That's, and we're part of his church. So he wants to fill the earth with his glory through the church. That's why, so we want to meet with God in his glory. There's something, um, it's hard to describe sometimes, isn't it? But there's something of the tangible of God that he wants to reveal in and through our lives, especially if you come into next year, where, where the Holy Spirit literally is taking over. How many of you? And, and so during that 21 days, it's, it's going to be, even though you might be here in, going forward, right? God as he works, you're going to realise, oh, the reins. I've got some reins I'm holding on to there. So there you go, Jesus. Right, thank you. Oh, I didn't, mm, yeah, okay. There you go, Jesus. Uh, oh, as you meet with him, there's stuff that goes on that you didn't see before. And I, and I, I think, well, no, I won't say that. Anyway, so um, 
But as God shines his light, who he is, you see bits and pieces. Somebody gave, we'll finish with this. Somebody gave a testimony last week, one of the guys who came up at Freedom, that if you go into a house and it looks all clean and nice and shiny, but if you move a bit of furniture, there's a bit of dust along the skirting board or this, you know, here, there, and you're like, oh, right, right, didn't get in there. It's, it's, it's the same with the Lord, isn't it? When you get closer to him, you realise, oh, yeah, there's a, a thought process that goes in your head. Oh, Father, forgive me. I don't want that in my mind anymore. I don't want that kind of sequence of thoughts. I don't want that attitude. I don't want this. Why? It's only because we're, in one sense, we have the fullness of who he is, but yet at the same time, we're getting closer to him. And as you get closer, 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 what happens is there's a more of a desire. Oh, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I don't want that sort of stuff. I want to be like you. It's a lot easier to throw things off, isn't it? And go forward in what God wants to do in our lives. So let's stand together, shall we? If we can have the band out, that'd be great. And um, He's called you to be a son or a daughter or a child of his glory. Sons of glory. Sons of glory. And when we have that revelation, not just knowledge, but we encounter him in that way, changes things. Change, our pers- the perspective of everything in our lives changes. The values of things in our lives change. God doesn't want us to be busy. He wants us to be fruitful. The world out there is chasing so much stuff. Chasing its tail, chasing this, chasing that, chasing the other. God has saved us out of that chase. And he's brought us into him. He's brought us into that great rest. Rest for your soul. But more than that, or within that, or in the whatever, he's brought us into his glory. Into who he is. Just thank him that you are made in his image. That he's made you as a child of his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Like Isaiah, we want to meet with him. And we can't prescribe what that looks like in our lives. That's down to how God wants to reveal who he is in us. But what, we, what it starts with is a hunger, desire. Jesus, I want to know you. I want you to reveal who you are in my life in a fresh way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. What an amazing privilege it is to be called and chosen. Amazing privilege it is to know Him. You know what your life used to be like and what it's like now. What an amazing blessing it is to know Jesus. What a privilege it is to be saved out of all the stuff. Even the couple of testimonies we heard on the the Thanksgiving cards today. 
you know, all the stuff that happened to people in the past, but yet God has set people free. Why? Because he's a, he's a good father. That's what he does. Thank you, Jesus. Let's make a decision in our hearts. We're going to pursue him. We're going to seek him. Not because we haven't found him. The word seek means to discover the reality of the one that you're seeking. And it's like, Father, I want to seek you. I want to discover more of the reality of who you are. I'm not after knowledge. I'm not after information. I want the reality of who you are in my life in a fresh way. I want you to overtake. I want you to saturate Jesus. I want to be saturated in who you are. Not just saturated in your presence in terms of a a feeling or an awareness of you. I want to be saturated with you. To encounter you in your glory. To know you in your holiness. So that what flows from this, this living temple, what flows is an overflow of worship reverence or of who you are just lift your hands wherever you are just let's lift our hands around the room it's like we're saying father you've taken me out of the world and what I used to be captivated by And you brought me into a completely new life with you. And I don't want any mixture there. And Jesus, I just come before you afresh today with hands raised as if to say, Father, I surrender afresh to you, but also I'm reaching out to know you, to take a hold of you and Your word says that if I draw near to you, you draw near to me. It's like the hunger that I express is reciprocated with a ready response from you. Jesus, I thank you that you are my heart's desire. You are my heart's desire. You are my heart's desire. But I know as I go after you, you become even more of my heart's desire. There isn't any mixture or room for stuff, as it were, because my heart is overflowing. It's exploding with desire for you. Not an emotion, but a longing from the depth of my being, from the seat of my will, as it were, that says, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you in your glory. I want to know you in your manifested presence, your revealed presence. I want your presence, your life, your glory to fill my life, to fill my marriage, to fill my home, to fill my workplace, wherever I go. That Literally, to use this phrase, I'll be like a glory carrier going around, seeing your life revealed, seeing the light of who you are shining because your glory is about the light of who you are. That light that is pure, that light that is holy, that light that transforms, heals, cleanses. And so, Father, I thank You. You've called us to be a a people of Your glory, a body of Your glory. You've called us to be a bride that is spotless, 
that can present itself before you as a bride that says, we're preparing ourselves. Like a bride that is in her room and the window, the light is on in the window that says to her, the one she's betrothed to, I'm making myself ready. I'm making myself ready. As he is preparing a room in his father's house, he looks at the light and says, she's getting ready. She's getting ready. She's getting ready. I'm going to continue to prepare a place because she's getting ready. And Father, I thank you that that's your heart for us, the church. You're preparing a place for us with the Father, but you're also looking, saying, she's getting ready. The bride's getting ready. She's after me. She's ready. She's preparing herself with me. She's keeping herself set apart. She's keeping herself pure. She's keeping herself clean. She's making sure what she's dressed in is pure, spotless, so that when I come for her, she's ready. And Father, we want to be a church like that. It is living as a bride, as a spotless bride, that the light is on in this church. In every congregation, the light is on in this body. It says, Jesus, we're, we're making. Everything's in preparation for you. Everything's for you. Everything's for you. Everything's for you. That we don't switch the light off at any moment and go and do some other stuff, then come back when we want to switch the light on again. Father, we want to live ready. We want to live ready. We want to live ready, Jesus. Oh, Father, we honor you. We worship. Let's just lift our voices out. We just worship Jesus. Come on, let's just worship him. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.